Tuesday and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Apollo 13 Minute, a show where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of probably the greatest space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard-directed feature, Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm your other host, I'm Chris Henry from the EAA Aviation Museum. And Jim, as you know, uh, like I always say, my favorite episodes are the ones where we get to have some cool guests on and talk to interesting people. Oh, for sure. Uh, not that I don't enjoy talking to you and your fine company, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's always fun to uh, get to talk to somebody who has a, a background in the space program. And today we are uh, really honored to welcome someone I've really uh, been honored to have a chance to work with. Uh, just an all-around awesome person and supporter and has worked with the space program, and that's Tim Gagnon. Uh, Thank you for coming on. And for those who uh, are not familiar, you may have seen a lot of his interesting designs because he actually designs patches for the space program. Well, thank you very much for having me. I look forward to the discussion. Yeah, Tim, well, it, 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 it's, it's great having you on because you're, you're really an active part of this. And in this particular minute, we're seeing uh, kind of the personalization of individual missions. And although, you know, every one of these to, to us uh, are you know we we know all the stories behind them, but the the most important part I think that the 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 brand of of each mission uh, can be found in their patches. Um, and I, we, what I'd like to do is talk about in this particular minute we're seeing in Mission Control. Uh, this is 1970, and uh, it's you know we're at, we're in the middle of the Apollo the Apollo cycle, and on the walls of uh, Mission Control as they've you know, literally earn their stripes. The uh, the many different uh, emblems of uh, Gem Gemini and uh, Apollo are appearing on the walls that are they're festooned with the different missions. Um, I was wondering if we could go back way back in time and the development of space patches. How did that develop at NASA? When when did the first space patches for missions come about? Well, actually, and you're familiar, I'm sure. Uh, all the uh, the Mercury, Gemini, Apollo guys were military test pilots. And so they came from squadrons and, and air groups that had emblems. And that was something that helped foster the camaraderie. And, and uh, uh, during the Mercury program, they weren't able to have a patch. So they did the next best thing, and they got uh, an artist uh, to design essentially the nose art. Um, if you're familiar with military aircraft, that I'm sure you are, I know Chris is. Um, so the, the artist that did the, the most um, attractive ones was a lady by the name of Cecilia Bibby. And she worked for one of the contractors and she discussed the artwork with the astronauts in the same way that we do that today. Now, when uh, after the Mercury uh, program, uh, we started seeing, uh, you know, in Gemini, they, they, the patches became available for for the suits and, and were used as kind of the logo for each mission. Um, I know that uh, uh, Gemini three, being a young, young and Grissom having the Molly Brown, uh, was was there any kind of uh, tug, you know tug of war between get, getting a mission patch for for those early ones? 
Uh, well, actually, there was. This was something that the astronauts had wanted to do for a long time. And uh, while Gemini 3 and 4 were not allowed to have a mission patch sewn onto their suit, uh, the 3 and the 4 crew uh, took an emblem that they had developed and had medallions made. And they flew the medallions. And so, you know, some purists will say to this day that Gemini 3 and Gemini 4 didn't have a patch. Well, they kind of did. They just didn't have an embroidered patch on the suit. And it was Gordon Cooper, the command pilot for Gemini 5, who finally convinced James Webb, the NASA administrator, that this is something that we should do. This is something we want to do. And it happened. Uh, one last little twist to that Gemini 5 patch story was their uh, emblem included a Conestoga wagon uh, with the phrase, eight days or bust. Well, NASA management uh, made them cover up the eight days or bust because they didn't want people to say that the mission busted if it didn't go a full eight days. <laughs> and so they had the eight days or bust on their patch, but they weren't able to show it until after the flight. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> it, it, it's it's amazing from from that start with Gemini Five, how the patches over time became more colorful, more involved, more complex. And when we finally get up to uh, Apollo thirteen, uh, the logo is so incredibly detailed and uh, has so many different elements to it. Uh, and uh, maybe we should talk a little bit about uh, the Apollo thirteen patch. At, at, you know, as that's <laughs> that's the movie that we're we're talking about here. But it is a a beautiful patch of. Uh, well, let me, let me let you describe it, Tim, if you, if you could go over the different sure. elements of the 13 patch. Well, Apollo, of course, was the god of the sun, and uh, they uh, wanted to uh, have an image of him riding his chariot across the heavens from the earth to the moon. And so they chose three horses for the three astronauts, and... Um, uh, it's based on a painting by Lumen Winter called Steeds of Apollo. And uh, a side note, Tom Hanks actually bought that painting at auction and gifted Jim uh, Lovell with it. And it hung in his restaurant in uh, Illinois for many, many years. And now I believe it's at a, a veteran center that's named after him. But uh, that artwork that's in the painting is different from the patch. I mean, the horses are in the, essentially the same position. But that painting was adapted by an artist named Norman Tiller uh, to be used for the patches, you know, for the embroidery, for the stamps, the stickers, the paperwork, and all that kind of stuff. And if you look closely at it, an official NASA image of the Apollo 13 patch you'll see that Norm Tiller actually put his initials uh, on one of the front legs of the horses. Huh. I wow. never knew that. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's amazing. Wow. And um, the uh, this patch does not uh, uh, carry the names of the crew with it, I guess, which was fortunate as, you know, there was the crew switch at the last minute. Um, but it is stunning. Uh, you yourself uh, are a veteran uh, patch designer and maker. And I've, I've seen the, uh, the work that you've done in making, I, I don't know any other way to describe this, but as high definition uh, versions of the Apollo patches. And I have to say they are gorgeous. 
Uh, well, thank it, you very much. It, uh, NASA funny. has very strict uh, specifications uh, for their patches uh, with size, like uh, no more than four and a half inches, no more than eight colors and so forth. On my commemoratives, I can make it as large as I want, and I can <laughs> I can have <laughs> twice as many thread colors. So uh, the end result is, uh, sure, it's a, a bit expensive in comparison, but uh, they've all been well received. Yeah, no, I think they're just a magnificent rendition, and uh, and definitely the uh, the meaning and the message are, are still embodied in in your artwork. Um, I, I know this is like asking, you know, who's your favorite kid, but do you have a favorite patch in the in the Apollo or Gemini era? Uh, well, yeah, actually I do, um, and it's an easy decision. I mean, they're all beautiful, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I still remember the first time I saw the advertisement in the back of Boys Life magazine. <laughs> that was around 1970 or so, uh, because previously to that, uh, it was illegal for the public to own the patches. Wow. And the NASA contractors could, the astronauts, of course, but the general public, if you had the patch, <laughs> you could get arrested. <laughs> so finally, I don't know what, who made the decision or how it was made or whatever, but uh, I saw the ad in Boys Life magazine and I bought every available patch to that point, um, uh, including uh, uh, 13. And I still remember the package, you know, arriving and opening it up the, the first time I saw them. And they were absolutely gorgeous. Um, in, uh, in my patches, uh, uh, my dad and I were invited to the launch of Apollo 17 in December of 72. And it was at that launch that I learned that sometimes outside artists, not affiliated with the space program, get to do this kind of thing. And... Uh, everybody that knows me knows I'm a left-brained person. You don't want me to, to determine your orbital trajectories, but uh, when you fly, you'll look good. Um, <laughs> but uh, 17 was painted by the famous aerospace artist Robert McCall, and yes. uh, that was my mission. That was my first launch, and, yeah, that's, that's been my patch since then. Wow. Well, I, I must have been right across the river from you because I was in the J.C. Penney's parking lot in Titusville, watching yeah. uh, <laughs> watching Seventeen. <laughs> I just remember how cold it, it, it was. So cold for Florida, it was amazing, and uh, it, and it was very late. I was just I was twelve years old, and it was like, is this ever going to happen? But when it it was definitely worth being there because, gosh, night turned into day, and well, you know, you were there. You, you saw what it was oh, like. Oh yeah, Dad and I were standing right next to the VAB. Wow. Wow. Man. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and everybody, I've said this before, but everybody always says the same thing. They all yell, look at that, as if somebody is going to be looking at something else. <laughs> you know, there was probably one guy looking at like something else, like, you know, yeah. checking out like the old left. Chevy in the parking lot, forgetting to look at the, <laughs> the rocket launch, you know. But uh, <laughs> wow. You know, one of my favorite stories uh, about logos and stuff came to, from uh, Gene Kranz. He told me a story that, um, he thought it'd be a good idea to get uh, mugs made for everybody in Mission Control with the Apollo 11 emblem on it. And this was during, you know, in the, in the planning stages of the Apollo 11 mission. And so he had a secretary go and do it. And he said, you know, get us mugs with the Apollo 11 emblem. And he found a place that would do it. And he like sent her a, you know, hey, this is this place he saw somewhere, you know, said they would do it. Well, 
he never went through NASA or anything. These were like unofficial. They were just for the guys in Mission Control. Well, so when she ordered it and she had to give them the art, it turns out like the place that was actually printing them was in like Russia. And wow. like all kinds of like flags got raised, like the CIA got involved, why this, this lady had the art for the Apollo 11 mission and was like talking to people in Russia. And like, he was like, they wanted to fire her. Like we all had to go to her defense and like, Oh God, no, we were trying to get her to make us mugs. And, uh, oh. I, you know, I forgot to ask him if he ever actually got the mugs, but, uh, um, but he, he told that story. He's just, he, he you know, kind of laughing. He's like, he couldn't believe that that whole thing had happened. Yeah. That's, that's perfect government work. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. The uh, the other story I love is Joe Engel told us a story about the backup crew having their own patch on Apollo 14. Yeah, they and, sure did. <laughs> do you know the story? Will you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, well, the backup crew um, consisted of uh, Gene Cernan, uh, Ron Evans was the command module pilot, and Joe Engel was the lunar module pilot. And uh, so the... The idea they had was to have a patch made, to have stickers made, some, you know, all kinds of representations, and they would put it because they did the checkout on the on the spacecraft. They would put it into lockers, they would put it into pouches, everywhere that the crew would end up going into during the flight. They would find that patch, and it depicts the Roadrunner uh, standing on the moon, uh, and uh, you know, saying beep beep. And the and then that represents the backup crew, like we beat you here. And the prime crew is represented by the coyote, who has red hair, like command module pilot Stuart Rusa. Uh, he's got a little bit of a paunchy belly for Ed Mitchell, and he's got a white beard for Alan Shepard, who was at the time the oldest astronaut to fly at all of 47. <laughs> and and uh, so the, the legend is, and you may have to beep this out, but Alan Shepard had a colorful retort uh, to Gene Cernan um, when he discovered the patches. And he said, beep, beep, you're, you know what? <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it's, and, you know, the funny thing is all those become collector's items as well. Uh, they're, oh, they're there is quite it's quite an enormous patch community. And it's always it's always fascinating uh, when you go to launches nowadays and you'll see people just covered in uh, in their favorite patches. And uh, I have I have I, I usually collect pins. I have a, a NASA hat with a lot of pin versions of the patches, but they get heavy they get heavy after a while as you start you know accumulating more and more, and you can't let any of them go because gosh they're all beautiful. Um, now, Tim, could you uh, go over uh, during the shuttle era? How did you get involved in the actual, you know, like the creation of mission patches? How how, how did that come into your life? Well, I started writing to astronauts in 1973. You know, once I discovered that outside artists were eligible, I said, "Well, this is how I want to participate." And uh, I always got a nice response, uh, you know, saying, "Thank you for your interest. Uh, keep working at your art." and all that. Uh, and it only took 31 years uh, for a crew to say yes. Finally, in 2004, uh, it was, and it wasn't a shuttle crew at that point. It was the station crew uh, for Expedition 11. And they were the astronauts on orbit when the uh, return to flight happened with Discovery uh, after the Columbia accident. 
Uh, and then they talked to another crew and that crew talked to another crew. So that's, that's how it happened. So basically word, word of mouth got you and got you into orbit. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Once I got my foot in the door, then I just let the work uh, speak for itself and, and not to pat myself on the back too hard, but I've always remembered that I'm just the lucky guy that gets to work with these amazing people on this artwork. You know, it's not my patch, it's their patch. So I would make suggestions based on my experience, but they make all the decisions. So I, you know, I didn't, you know, come off as some kind of prima donna trying to dictate to the astronauts. You know, I let them run with it. Yeah. Now, um, have you had have you had ones that were real head scratches of we need to we need to insert this into the patch, but you're like, well, how am I how am I going to fit that in a four inch patch? I, uh, has that ever well, happened if, to you? If you were to do an internet search on the STS one twenty seven patch and then STS one twenty nine, you would see that those crews could not be more different. Uh, 127, uh, and they're all pretty in their own right, but 127 wanted something as simple as what you would have seen during Project Gemini. And the 129 guys, they knew that the program was ending, and they actually applied for and received special dispensation from NASA management to have their patch be larger than any other shuttle patch to that point. It was like five and a half, almost five and three quarter inches high. But we crammed as much stuff into that thing as we possibly could. And it all yeah. meant something to them. So it was all important. But it was it just struck me as on how different each crew dynamic is. Yeah, I, I, I did notice in most of the in most of the shuttle missions, I do notice how important the uh, the astronaut logo, the three lines forming into a star seems to be with most crews is that are you finding that as a commonality that they they want that on most of their patches yeah i mean it, uh, alan shepherd uh helped create the apollo 14 patch and that was the first time it was used and it wasn't used in to in, in the shuttle program until october of 84 with uh challenger and sts 41g but after that it yeah it became a very common theme and variations of it would appear many many times yeah i mean it is a it's a beautiful it, it's very like if you see a large you know like a grid of all of all the different uh, shuttle patches that seems to be the theme that comes out that these are you know human beings in space and they're all part of a a, a very big team um and that's kind of their you know their team logo um it, but it's it's very very inspiring patches uh it's as we're coming into uh, we're coming into commercial flights. I would think that uh, this is gonna this, this is gonna be a whole new era of uh, of patches. And I know you've created your own versions of them, but have you heard more on the commercial crews wanting to get uh, their own patches made up for for different missions? Well, the crew that's gonna launch hopefully tomorrow, but I'm thinking Mother Nature is gonna make them wait until Saturday. Um, they had uh, uh, Doug Hurley is the commander of the flight. He, or he's like the command pilot. And Bob Bankin is the joint operations commander between the commercial and the ISS crew. Uh, so they all have different responsibilities. It's a, it's a little different than uh, mission specialist, payload specialist kind of thing that we're used to in the uh, shuttle program. But Doug Hurley's 
wife is also an astronaut, and her nephew uh, designed this patch uh, that the astronauts are wearing on their shoulder for uh, what they call DM2, Demonstration Mission 2. And this is like the final dress rehearsal uh, before uh, standard operating flights uh, starting next. It could go again this year uh, with what they call Crew 1. And uh, so astronauts still want patches designed for their missions, but uh, the commercial guys, SpaceX, Boeing, uh, they're a tough nut to crack because they're all, you know, fairly decent-sized companies. They all have their own graphic arts department, and if they stay in-house, they have greater control over the process. Yeah, it's a, uh, it, it, it's fascinating to think about, you know, what what the future of this is going to be, especially in like the you know in the gift shop at KSC when you're going in like, well, I want one for that, but I don't know who owns the copyright to it now. <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> Well, uh, actually, SpaceX produced their own uh, patch for this mission, and it's it's like for the SpaceX employees. Uh, the the NASA, as the customer, can say this DM2 patch is open to the public because NASA is a, a public organization, and and they you know they don't hold copyright. Well, they kind of do, but it's public domain kind of a copyright. Right. I can use their their patches in artwork as long as I don't do anything offensive. Um, but, but yeah, so SpaceX has their own version of a patch, and NASA has a, their own version of a patch for the same mission. Uh, and, yeah, the SpaceX ones are tough to collect. And, uh, you know, maybe that'll get relaxed in time with, with the, the, the numerous flights or, or whatever, but that remains to be seen. And one final uh, point on, on SpaceX patches, uh, they have not put the DM2 patch on their launch and entry suits as of yet. Uh, as, and I saw the, dress, the dry run rehearsal on Saturday. Uh, if they don't put it on, they will be the first crew since Gemini 4 in June of uh, 1965 to not launch wearing their mission patch. Wow. So oh, that's interesting. Maybe they're, maybe they're uh, waiting for a reveal on launch day. I don't know. But uh, I'm looking for that patch on launch day. I want to see if they display it or not. Yeah, uh, this is somewhat related, Tim, but I was wondering, uh, you know, back, back during the shuttle era, the, dur during the launch day, they would always fly the uh, particular shuttle's flag with uh, – you know, with the U.S. flag to show, you know, this is the launch day flag of who's flying. Do you know if they're doing – if they're going to do something like that for uh, the Dragon? I, I don't know, and I haven't seen it, but, you know, those are all kinds of things when they when they release the, the, the photos or the video, you know, you look for those kinds of things. Um, the first place I would look uh, on launch day is underneath the U.S. flag at the press site, because yeah. if they did it for the shuttle, they did it in more than one location, but they always did it at the press site. Yeah, get, get a so, camera on it, I'm sure. So. <laughs> That would yeah. be the right place to fly it. Yeah, it's yeah, and this is it's kind of odd us talking about this because our this show won't air until after hopefully the mission uh, went went successful uh, in in launch. So uh, it, it it'll be interesting to people listening to us pondering and and wondering, and they can just go look it up on uh, on Google and see what the news said about about all these questions. <laughs> um, 
Wow. Well, Tim, thanks so much for being on this. Could you tell me just before, before we wrap up, uh, you could tell me how did how did you feel uh, Apollo 13 as a movie in, in terms of expressing the history of spaceflight and particularly the Apollo era of spaceflight? Well, you know, I know the attention to detail that Ron Howard took. I mean, having sets built for inside the Vomit Comet so that the weightless scenes were actually weightless. I mean, that's that's a, a level of uh, of dedication to his craft that I don't think it's been uh, you know improved upon. I mean, I've seen some beautiful space movies. I mean, even Gravity, as incorrect science as it was, was a was an absolutely gorgeous movie. But uh, and you know, you can nitpick these things to death. That you know that wrench wasn't on that table in that scene in real life. You know, whatever. But uh, as an overall uh, movie, uh, Apollo 13 ranks way, way up there. Uh, yeah, I think I, we, we agree, yeah. And it's and yeah. Chris and I are both uh, heavy rivet counters, but it, it all in all, it, it's just a magnificent feature. And I, I think it's done more to get uh, generations of, viewers who weren't around for the uh, for the lunar program uh to get the idea yeah. of what it was like you know the the part that we lived through that, that being able to pass that on uh it, this comes closest to expressing that kind of excitement sure and you know i'm a rivet counter too but you know which rivet i counted which one that had the uh the recovery scene after splashdown yes the astronauts were wearing modern replica apollo 13 patches not accurate uh, oh. Apollo 13. If you look, if you look at the old photographs, because when I, I learned a long time ago, if you're going to buy a mission patch for a specific mission, buy it when it happens. Because if you look at the modern replica of that mission patch, it's nowhere near as attractive as the original. And, oh. and I was surprised with all the attention to detail, they didn't have patches made. <laughs> wow. Wow! Uh, wow! Well, we'll when we when we get to that final minute, we'll point we'll point at the the Tim Gagnon <laughs> error of of Apollo thirteen. That's got it's it's got your uh, thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, I I also have to say thank you for, uh, you know, Tim. I'll never forget we get a a message or I reached out. I can't remember which way it went, but uh, basically it was you know we were, we were working on having this Apollo reunion at Oshkosh, and it was like, hey, you could get a mission patch. And it was like, oh, my God, we're going to have a mission patch with, like, these legendary names of Spaceflight. And, Tim, uh, you put together this just beautiful patch uh, that uh, EAA had here. We were sold out. It's a week-long show. We were sold out by Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, people just went nuts for them. And, uh, and then you came back and you worked with us again on the Apollo 8 uh, 50th that we had here with Colonel Borman. And uh, I just want to say thank you again. Your work is always just so beautiful and, you know, it, it's deeply appreciated. That's one of the things that uh, that uh, it was funny. Colonel uh, Borman made sure to take home with him was was uh, the tribute patch that you did. Well, that's wonderful to hear. Thank you very much. Wow. Well, uh, again, Tim, where can people find your work when they when they want to uh, get uh, these magnificent reproductions of uh, of the Apollo uh, uh, flight patches? Well, uh, you can find me on uh, social media: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm KSC Artist. Uh, I also have a website: uh, kscartist.com. Uh, the website is in 
desperate need of updating because <laughs> I'm producing faster than I can load it. Um, <laughs> so anybody has a question, they can always reach out to me and, and I'll try to get them an answer. Wow. Well, great. Again, Tim, thanks for being on the show. Uh, for folks who would like to reach out on, on social media, we've got our own little corner of the uh, internet out there on uh, the Apollo 13 Minute Mission Control on Facebook or on Twitter at Apollo 13 Minute. If you're missing any of our previous uh, uh, minutes on, on the show, and I don't know why you have, because we're, gosh, 112 minutes in, you should be listening to our show. <laughs> Uh, go check us out on any of your favorite podcatchers like uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Spotify or any wherever you get your podcasts. You can probably find us there. Subscribe and you'll get us hot and fresh every Monday through Friday, first thing in the morning. Uh, we will be back uh, tomorrow as we're getting close to the uh, to end of our show. I can't get over how close I we're getting. Believe, I can't believe we're getting there. It, uh, yeah. You know, we want to. We need to call out a special thank you to to the uh, mission control working behind the scenes today. Uh, Adam at Hemlock Films helped make a. Uh, uh, connection as we're all quarantined here he helped make uh, uh, this interview possible and, and uh, thank you to everybody over at Hemlock we appreciate it yeah definitely thank, thank you so much but it looks like we're coming up on uh, lost signal in about 30 seconds so we will see you here next time on the Apollo 13 Minute